Fashion today is veering in one of two directions. On one end of the spectrum is hobocore. The uber-wealthy are splashing out on outfits, artfully distressed to look like they're old and worn. Shoes, magnolia pearl. The hotshot onesie from Free People. My shirt is magnolia pearl. On the other end is old money, as people take to Shein to buy items that look like ultra-fancy couture, but in reality aren't designed to be worn for more than one season, or in some cases, more than once. I wanna make a video on how to look casual, but old money at the same time. So why are the rich dressing like they're poor and those with lower incomes dressing like they're rich? Actually, the urge to use clothing to pretend you're from a different socioeconomic background goes back centuries, and often the two trends do cross over. There's long been a pattern of the truly wealthy underplaying their wealth in their fashion, while strivers, or the nouveau riche, show off their money in ways the established rich deem gauche. Chic. Parisian couture. Yet today's hobocore look is going to an extreme that's a little shocking in its insensitivity. And the old money look has its own set of issues worth exploring. Here is why these class-crossing fashion trends are so in right now, what their histories are, and their biggest problems. One of the earliest and most famous examples of poor chic, as sociologist Karen Halman calls it, is the French queen Marie Antoinette's peasant play on her idyllic recreation of a farm. Welcome to my little village. I love it here. It's my heaven. While she peacefully role-played, outside of the palace she was hated by the French people because of her obscene spending and was eventually beheaded during the French Revolution. That's not the last time royalty seriously misread what's appropriate. Prince William was photographed dressed as a chav when he was at Sandhurst, which the UK's Guardian newspaper called out as part of a cultural shift towards demonizing poor people. Even more influentially in our modern society, the fashion industry has also also long chosen to find inspiration in uncomfortable places. In the early 90s, Marc Jacobs ushered in a new era with his grunge collection for Perry Ellis. Heroin Chic followed, a glamorization of the gaunt, emaciated look of a drug user that became so intense President Bill Clinton spoke about it. That images projected in fashion photos in the last few years have made heroin addiction seem glamorous and sexy and cool. You do not need to glamorize addiction to sell clothes. It was followed in 2000 by John Galliano's homeless collection for Dior Couture. Models stomped down the catwalk wrapped in newspaper, accessorized with trash-like battered cutlery and miniature bottles of whiskey. The collection was lauded by some fashion writers, but it horrified others. Kathy Horan, a fashion writer at the New York Times, wrote, Of course, it's hard to imagine a couture client shelling out $25,000 for a dress just so she can look like a bum. Yet it did trickle down, notably into the fashion of Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. What really came as a shock to our collective class consciousness was this idea of being dressed like a homeless person while also carrying a $5,000 Balenciaga bag. The 2000s saw the rise of the casual tech CEO in the hoodie. As Tom Searcy wrote in 2011, it's a status symbol to dress like you're homeless to attend board meetings. Meanwhile, hobo chic has gone even further. Since, later on in the 2000s, Chen Gurong emerged. He was a person without housing in China who was known as Brother Sharp. He was photographed and went viral for what many perceived to be his great sense of style. Young Chinese men copied his look and made it onto European catwalks too, most notably Dolce & Gabbana. Huh. Hipster. Okay. Well, what about... Oh. 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 
More recently, along with Balenciaga and Mason Margiela releasing heavily distressed sneakers, Kanye West, whose fashion, despite his wealth, have always been about casual attire like sneakers and sweats, posted an Instagram saying we should look to the homeless for design inspiration. It understandably seemed like a moment of parody, of life imitating art imitating life, because the movie Zoolander had already parodied Galliano's homeless collection with evil designer Mugatu's collection Derelict. It is a fashion, a way of life inspired by the very homeless, the vagrants that make this wonderful city so unique. While trends are cyclical and Y2K is back, it still feels a little shocking that we are willing to revive harmful trends like Galliano's homeless chic, given how much more socially and culturally aware young generations are now. Beginning in ancient Rome, there were actual laws in place to stop people from attempting to dress above their station, which prevented anyone who wasn't part of the gentry from wearing silk or velvet, or having gold or silver embroidery on their clothing. But later, these patterns started to shift, allowing for more fluidity. For decades, young girls have been taught by Disney and culture at large to aspire to become an imagined princess figure. Disney princesses often adopt a reimagining of medieval clothing from the same era as Roman subtuary laws. But even though the princess figures are always deemed special, Disney essentially makes them feel like accessible too, because anyone can become a princess if they're just pretty and kind enough. Wait, there is something familiar about her. And there's an element of believing this, even in adults, with many wondering why the world of Bridgerton is behind us. It's not just kids dressing up as princesses. The old money aesthetic that's currently viral on TikTok draws from other elements of culture too. For example, Clueless recently leapt back into the style psyche with multiple copies of Cher's yellow suit flooding the high street. It showed that many have a desire to dress in the nostalgia of the 90s idea of the ultra-wealthy. And there's also the fact that many heirs and heiresses lead glamorous, well-documented lifestyles, from Nicola Peltz to Prince Harry. Neutral, monochromatic outfits will always look expensive. Sophia Ritchie, daughter of Lionel Ritchie and sister of former IT girl Nicole Ritchie, recently sent Old Money social media ablaze with her wedding looks. Demure and classic, lovers of the aesthetic scramble to claim that this is the look classy women should strive for, not gaudy logomania. And then, days later, Sophia stepped out in head-to-toe Chanel logos, causing those same commenters to have to do a bit of updating to their Old Money definition. It is so south of France and festive. The whole conversation about Sophia's wedding week outfits really hits home the fact that what draws people to the old money aesthetic isn't really the clothes themselves, but the idea of being able to style yourself visually as someone who is societally powerful. This is especially made clear by the fact that many people that are touted as being icons of the old money aesthetic today aren't actually old money at all. But the fact is, money isn't an aesthetic. It's not something that can be achieved by creating the right fit. So what's the appeal? In fashion, there's a tendency towards what fascinates or shocks us, and often that's also what scares us. We amplify threats in society with our clothing, according to Brian E. Denham, a professor of communications. And that's been around since the Cold War, when even swimsuits derived their names from nuclear test sites. That's why it's called bikini, FYI. So it makes sense that in times of extreme disparity between rich and poor, we look to both ends of the spectrum for inspiration. However, in the examples of both historic and present-day hobo core and old money aesthetics, there's a tendency to massively romanticize the original inspiration. There's a disconnect between what it is or was actually like versus what designers and customers end up with. John Galliano's homeless collection for Dior is a sharp illustration of that. And in my head, I'd imagine that they had chosen this life. There was one guy that I'd, I'd, I'd run past a lot, and he just looked really majestic, and he, it was the romantic side of these people. 
The idea that the homeless population of Paris had chosen to live on the street apparently absolved Galliano and his customers of the need to interrogate inequality or enter into a conversation with these people. The pillaging of inspiration never goes two ways. The people who are taken from often aren't allowed access to the culture they inspire. There isn't a trickle up. It's the same with the current trend of distressed sneakers, which takes its inspiration from grunge culture. The people who inspire the trends aren't given a pass to the elite fashion circles that wear them. Slave shoes, says Spice. I'm just looking, I'm like... I was just rocking these, and I'm like, hold up. And actually, that inequality is perpetuated by the fashion industry itself. The way that distressed-looking clothes are made is very harmful to garment workers. When distressing jeans, for example, tiny fibers are released and can be inhaled by workers who subsequently suffer with serious lung damage as a result. The other issue is that when we buy new outfits that are made to look old and worn, we miss the opportunity to actually partake in fashion sustainability. Thrifting clothing and rewearing, repairing and repurposing items from our existing wardrobes is a much more ethical way of dressing. And ironically, it's often what the oldest money people do. Buy something once and make it last. Meanwhile, the old money aesthetic exacerbates other problems. The fake handbags people buy when they're trying to emulate the look often fund terrorism. But would you still buy a fake handbag if you knew the profits? would enable someone to buy bullets that would kill you and other innocent people. And the horrific conditions that garment workers are subjected to in service of fast fashion are widely documented. A decade after the Rana Plaza collapse, the deadliest catastrophe in the history of clothing factories, little has changed in terms of safety or exploitation. <laughs> So when it comes to our attempts to emulate the super-rich, we actually open up more conversations about our wealth in general in the West. The fashion industry is built on inequality and exploitation. Fashion writer Bronwyn Sire wrote in 2020 that some 25 to 60 million people are directly employed in the fashion industry. Modern slavery, child labor, poverty, gender discrimination, and low pay are rife within the garment supply chain. Hopping on fleeting trends of any kind can be problematic because we can't trace where our clothes come from. And by buying at the rate that we do, we're propping up damaging systems of oppression. So it's better to buy mindfully, to buy things you'll re-wear and analyze why you want to wear something. Hint, if you're trying to look cool by mimicking the homeless population, you should probably go back to the drawing board. That's The Take. Click here to watch a video we think you'll love or here to check out a whole playlist of awesome content. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications.